Welcome to Roots, a music podcast. My name is Alex. And I'm Edo. And together we are on a journey to celebrate and discover the music of different cultures from around the world. In each episode, we will venture to new places under the guidance of expert musicians who are active in the traditional music scene of the region or the group of people they represent. We will learn everything there is to know about the music, what it sounds like, how it's made, who performs it, and the occasions in which it is performed. Most importantly, we'll find out how this music has evolved into the 21st century. Our guests will also workshop their music with us so that we can all experience the music directly from its source. We are so excited for you to come on this journey with us and explore the world through music. Thank you for tuning in for a very special episode of Roots, a music podcast. Today's guest is award-winning bass player Tony Overwater, joining us from the Netherlands. Tony is a brilliant violone and double bass player who specializes in jazz, early music, Middle Eastern traditions, and the combination of the three. Even a superficial look at his curriculum can disclose his musical prowess. With numerous international collaborations with top-class artists including Yuri Herning, Keihan Kalhor, and Hossein Alizadeh. He's a core member of the Rembrandt Frerichs trio, together with pianist Rembrandt Frerichs and drummer and percussionist Vincent Planier. They have released seven albums in the past 10 years, three of which host guest musicians from the Middle East. Their music is distinctively rooted in respect and curiosity, both of which transpire from the effort put in researching the musical traditions they converse with. Their playing techniques are in fact constantly adapted to suit the aesthetics of the guest performer, reversing a common dynamic in fusion music where the East adapts to the West. Tony's dedication to these values extends further than his own stage activities, as he is also the founder of Salon Jusur, a cultural space where Dutch and Arab musicians can meet, collaborate, and share their musical experiences and heritages. Tony, thank you for being with us today. And thank you so much for being here. Uh, we wanted to have a bit of a different type of conversation to conclude the, our fir- first season of the podcast. And uh, we were, well, you know... Uh, me, me and you started talking after a um, an album review uh, of of your most recently released album with uh, with uh, with a trio, uh, which was a very very pleasant um, converse, musical conversation where uh, you and uh, and your colleague musicians uh, very beautifully uh, investigated and adapted your own playing to. Iranian classical music, and I thought that this was done very beautifully and in a very respectful way. So we'll dive deep into the processes behind that, uh, what we can maybe call fusion music done right. But be, before we, we we get to that, I'd, I'd like actually to to put the focus on you and uh, your own personal journey and uh, what are your roots when it comes to music. Just give, give us a, a bit of an introduction of that uh, for the listeners as well. Yes, well, uh, I started uh, as a jazz bass player. Um, I still still am a jazz bass player. Uh, I, I studied at the Royal Conservatoire in The Hague. Uh, this was in the late 80s. So I finished my school in 1989. Um, and that was a six-year, seven-year course of, of true bebop, <laughs> uh, like the old-fashioned 
but really good. And I, I, actually, I'm now a teacher at the same school since a couple of years. Um, and from there, I started to... It was always, I mean, bebop or jazz was something I really liked, uh, but I also felt that I needed something else to to sort of make it more personal for myself because I, I think often people find... Uh, especially like jazz musicians, they either like Indian music, for example, be because carnatic music is so so interesting and so diverse, of course. So, so complex, or they like, um, of course, African music because it's related to jazz or South American music, or um, and I I never found something that was really mine. And then um, in one of the tours with the Yuri Honing Trio was actually to the Middle East, uh, was to Syria, the first. Uh, concert was in Syria after uh, we had some other trips <coughs> and uh, this the, the whole culture and especially the music sort of hit me there and I started uh, to to find something in that music that, uh, it's it's a really condensed like a long story short of, of course <laughs> of how I, I mean in, when you arrive it's sort of a nagging kind of music that you think well you know it, uh, it's always the same you know but then you start to hear the details and then I noticed that there's something in that music that really um, uh, was something that was lacking in my own music and playing. And um, so I started to play with mu musicians from the Middle East. Uh, Rimar Chase was the, the first singer I actually met. I met some musicians from Iraq um, in Jordan. Uh, I went to uh, Lebanon and played there. That's where I met Rima. And then the, the, the first seed was sort of thrown in the earth of, of what, what, I, what was becoming something really important for me. Um, so I started to slowly study that music uh, without trying to become a Arabic or later Persian kind of musician. Um, because also the musicians I played with said, it's wonderful what you do and please don't try to imitate us too much. Um, but this, yeah, so this brings me actually to uh, an important part. So maybe I should, yeah, let's let's dive let's into that it. directly. Um, uh, you talked about fusion music. Uh, our drummer, Vincent Planter, he wrote a really nice uh, children's story to explain what we actually do. And this story will be animated and will be a video uh, pretty soon. We're in the, in the final process of it. Um, and this, the, the story is, the, is uh, called the, the story of the apple and the apricot. And it's about a king who rules a, a country that goes from the very far east until the, the, the northwest. And they have two fruits that are very uh, um, popular. And that one is the apple and one is the apricot. And he never knows how to, um, to choose between the two. So he, he asks uh, some important scientists to... to 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 make something that really would would honor both the fruit, so the first scientist will will just cut it up in pieces and make a salad of it, and he thinks, well, it's interesting, but it's it's not great. And the second one, he he, he makes a juice out of it, you know, like a fruit juice uh, mixture. And then he says, well, it's nice, but it's not great. And then the th the third one, he's actually mixing the seeds of the two plants and growing a new plant. And that is actually uh, what we try to do. Uh, so we're not trying to uh, play oriental jazz. We're not trying to play jazzy, uh, you know, it's it's or orientalistic or anything. But we try to look at what what we think is the essence of the music, and 
take it from there and build our own tree or you know grow our own tree and 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 that together with the musicians from there and then then something happens for me which is important because it's it, for me it's not about the orientalistic sound of it but it, for me it's about the essence of how they improvise or the, uh, the essence of how they the note material that they use um, so so yes that 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 for me is very important so either calling it fusion music maybe fusion in its essence is not a bad way um, uh, but in in general this means music that that sort of mixes the two and and we are not thinking along those lines when we play with Kayon Kalor there's there's nothing thinking about this is jazz with Persian music it's it's about okay there's four guys in the room we're going to play music and what happens you know and how do we honor our own backgrounds yeah. um, so going back to my own story um, <laughs> as from that point in the in time that was probably in the in the late 90s well early night yeah mid 90s when I went to the Middle East I got in, involved in this music and I also noticed that I, I that this music was not so popular in the West and I could also understand why it was not popular um, because people are not used to it, it's it and it's 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 far away. And in the West, in Europe, we think of world music as uh, we think of music from another place outside of Europe as world music, and usually that means um, traditional folk music or popular music, um, and we are not so used to the fact that it's that there's also classical music from other cultures. We do accept it from Indian music by now. They're, they're, we, you go to a classical concert place and there's Indian music. But when I started doing this 20 years ago, um, it was considered world music, uh, the Persian and the Arabic music. And I really wanted to promote this music as being classical music. Um, as being a, a something else, it's it's really nice to to also look at popular music from other cultures, but you also have to make the differentiation between the, the different styles. So for us, um, for me, I, that's why I started Salon Yusur. Yusur is is a, is a, is a gathering of musicians from from different places where we. Um, where we meet, Yusur means bridges in, in Arabic, and uh, it's basically bridge and it goes two ways. It's not a one-way bridge. So uh, we invited uh, important musicians from the Middle East, uh, later also from, from Iran, um, to explain and to, to discuss with us about the, the music and the culture. And this salon idea is something that's like this 19th century romantic idea of of Paris, where you, where musicians and poets and painters, they would meet at a bar or at a salon, and they would actually, you know, talk about culture. and And this was the same idea so to find a meeting place. So they're relatively, they were relatively small uh, concerts for small amount of people, but the audience could really ask questions, and you know, so th that became that. And then later. I um, also met, uh, well, in that time, I also met my friends uh, Rembrandt and Vincent, and they were also interested in this that same kind of music. So we uh, got together in this organization called Tonality Music, 
and uh, and there we have been yeah, recording uh, uh, many albums. Parallel to that, I'm always working with Rima Chies, and not now because of the pandemic, but uh, with Rima, I'm, I'm doing several projects. Yeah, so it's it's a lot. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a journey. Yeah. Your journey is so is yeah. so amazing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is uh, this is these are all very 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 interesting um, uh, anecdotes. I think that they offer quite a quite a uh, quite quite a good perspective on 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 your journeys and your reasons um, for them. Yeah. I too share, of course, um, a uh, spe specific uh, a specific passion for uh, Middle Eastern and specifically Iranian music. That's also what I'm kind of researching, and I remember. Um, when I first listened to uh, It's Still Autumn, uh, I thought, oh, wow, I've really found something here. Um, I think mm. that what you were describing before, the idea of, the, of a new tree, of a new seed, yeah. uh, which contains mm. the genes of both, I think that it really comes across in the music. And I thought that it, it hit me when I was talking to my Santur teacher, and uh, who's mm -hmm. uh, of course Iranian, and uh, I told I had just purchased the tickets to come and see you guys in London, and uh, mm. he told me he told me oh yeah, um, but just bear in mind that it's not an Iranian classical uh, concert, despite the fact that Kehan is really still doing Avaz, which is for the listener, uh, it's it's a uh, pract improvisatory practice. It's a style of music uh, of Iranian mm. music, which is yeah. uh, non-metered and uh, um, highly yeah. improvised. Uh, starts from pre-composed material, but uh, so of course that was very interesting to me because then again, being a, uh, I, I, I guess I, I have to say follower of world music, but conscious of all of the limitations and problematics that arise with a name like that, um, mm. I thought, oh, wow, I did not catch that until he uh, highlighted it for me. Mm. Um, uh, I guess I've uh, lost my point here, but... <laughs> no, you're getting near there. I hear it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but... Um, I think that I, I definitely think that uh, the listener can hear that it's something a little different, a little unusual, but in a good way, of course, uh, from yeah. what people normally hear in these types of uh, of, of scenarios. Uh, again, it's not the East that meets the West. It's not even the West that meets the East. It's a no, uh, no. it's a proper yeah. wedding. Uh, of the two, uh, so I'm I'm interested. Referring to these two albums, um, uh, the, the latest two released uh, with Kehan and uh, with Hossein Alizadeh, uh, uh, could you walk us through the process uh, of um, of of you three um, getting into how how did you uh, get 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 into that process of ne negotiation? I guess because uh, mm. there's uh, you, you can hear lots of uh, technical adaptations. I guess I I, I want to say, but maybe it's not yeah, the right yeah, yeah. Uh, word. Uh, yeah, um, I think a short step back. Um, Rembrandt was invited to to do a concert at a festival in the what we call November music in in the Netherlands. It's a big festival where they. They try to connect musicians, 
Uh, um, and he, on the top of his list was uh, uh, Kayan Kalhor, and on the top of the festival's list was also Kayan Kalhor. So they decided to invite him. Um, uh, Rembrandt is a composer as well, and he writes uh, uh, many songs, and often quite complex songs with odd meters and, and everything uh, on it, and uh, we take weeks of practicing. Um, so we invited Kayan, and he came to uh, our um, rehearsal place, and um, we sat down, and uh, Rembrandt had a stack of music ready for him. And then Kayan said, well, let's just improvise first a little bit. And that was, like, and like an hour later, we stopped improvising, and we had made this journey that, that was uh, that has been like that since actually, and then then there and then we decided this is actually what we're going to do. Wow. We're not going to play all the songs that we prepared. Um, we're going to improvise. Uh, of course, we we had studied. Um, I studied sort of extensively the Makam system from the from the Arabic music, so I was a little bit you know I could relate to it. It was also a modal form of music. And Persian music, of course, we were explained and we were reading books. And, and I have to say that uh, Vincent, our drummer, he's the, the he used to be our specialist in in, Arab, in uh, Iranian music. He played the tombak and he always listened and he made us listen to music. So he also, you know, uh, told us a lot. And um, and Kayan told us some. But the process was was extremely uh, organic, um, and it's. For me, the, the 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 collaboration with Kayan is is about magic. For it's it, for me, it's one of the most magical uh, collaborations that I have. That I can just sit down, close my eyes, have Kayan like one meter, well, one meter fifty <laughs> away from me, <laughs> and 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 we're just uh, making music, and and it just flows, and and of course, all the the whole library of sounds that you have in your head over the years is is coming through um and of course we 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 play sharpere uh, we play like one iranian standard uh, uh we play a part of a composition but it's basically what we decided to do is to create a a, a map uh, a short map of four or five cities that we would visit Themes that we would play, um, but how we get there is is completely open. So, um, in the case of the the album of Kayan Color, uh, it's still autumn. There are two large pieces which we also do in the concert, and they consist of of uh, of, uh, of a slow theme, opening theme, uh, some ideas, but but really very scarce, scarcely, and and the only really written. Rhythm. I mean, the the, the Charpes is, I think, at the end of that one, the first one. That's really sort of in there. And oh yeah, and we at the end we play one other melody, the one from uh, um, Offering. Um, so, and and the, the, that is interesting. But for me, the more interesting part is the the parts in between, like the the journey from city to city. It's like where do we end up, and how do we get there, and how would he. And and it took us a, a while of to adapt to Kayan's style because we were jazz musicians. If you're a jazz musician, even if you have a background in Arabic music or other music, 
you are used to play within, let's say, one or two minutes, at least two or three octaves and 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 eight notes and sixteenth notes. You know, there's no build up as slow as in Persian of music, course. for example. So the first time, Kayan would say, "You just play one note, you know, just play." And we just play this note. It's like, ah, oh, but now we have to play something. No, <laughs> you have to wait, wait, wait. And then, and then the the one note that comes out is like so magic. Then suddenly, right? So, just to be patient and to really um, listen and and be even more patient, and then let the music come in whenever it comes in. That that is definitely the thing with Kayan. It's for me. It's I don't I cannot say much technical about it. That's that's what it is. It's 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 magic. With Hussein Ali Zadeh, it's it's very different. Hussein is a very different guy as well. I mean, uh, although he doesn't speak any English uh, and a little German, um, it's it's difficult to to uh, to communicate. Uh, but he's really like a, a, a mentor and a teacher. Uh, so he really shows us, okay, play it like this, play it like this, again, again, again. You know, and uh, like 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 just by playing for us and uh, re-recording it and then at home I'll check it out and I'll try to play his phrasing and and, and then it becomes much more uh, much more tr in a way more traditional and uh, also more like okay this is actually a composition that that is his composition and we have to perform it as well as we can and of course there are moments of uh, improvisation of course there are the moments of magic as well but it's it's more sort of predefined, mm -hmm. and maybe also more, uh, slightly more towards the Persian side, where with Kayan it's really a big mixture of the way we improvise and the way he improvises. Beautiful, beautiful. Mm. <laughs> let's let let's talk specifically um, mm -hmm. instrumentally maybe for a second. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of things that I noticed, especially in the latest albums uh, in your playing and that of your colleagues, of course, as well. For example, Rembrandt, he's uh, at times playing the piano, well, the fortepiano, right? As a, yeah, exactly. uh, imitating the Santur, which is uh, the hammer dulcimer mm. um, played yeah. in Iranian music. And then uh, Vincent sometimes plays his uh, already quite particular, I have to say, uh, drum kit. Um, with his hands yeah. imitating the technique of a tombak, as you said, he also plays the mm -hmm. tombak, and that really shows. Um, what were your adaptations on uh, on on the bass, on the violon, actually? Um, yeah, uh, for for me, it's it's really well. Maybe a little bit of the history about the instruments is that that when we started playing with musicians from the Middle East and from Iran, uh, we we noticed that our instruments were not that well suited. So there was a normal grand piano, a double bass, and a drum set. You, we were usually too loud. Um, and the sound quality, not the quality, but the sound character didn't really fit. Um, and I think Rembrandt was the first one to change. I think it was Vincent who said, why don't you start playing a, a forte piano? So, um, we borrowed one for a while, and then uh, there was uh, there's an organization in the Netherlands, uh, Musical Instrument Fund, and they they provided uh, they, they they commissioned to to build a, a new Ford piano by the it's an exact copy of the Mozart piano, wow. um, 
because it's it it was it's so much more uh, related to um, uh, to the sound of the of the of the Middle East, largely because the, the grand piano has a, a, a cast iron frame and and strings and and a very high tension and and the biggest change with uh, going back to the fourth piano is that it's a wooden frame and uh, the the strings are are, are you know. Uh, fixed on the rune frame. So the sound is very different. And then you really get back to where, to the hammer dulcimer or the, the Sontour. Uh, so that helped. Uh, also the tuning is much easier to change. So often we change one or two keys to be able to play uh, microtones. Um, so when we did that, there was already much better, but then suddenly the double bass became sort of like the elephant in the room, <laughs> literally, <laughs> uh, because of the huge sound and 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 I I really liked I wanted to be able to play those melodies as well. So at that time I didn't really I didn't even know about uh, the the violon. I had had uh, a short history with a uh, with the viola da gamba because I was when I studied in in the school in the Hague. I lived in a house with students from the Baroque department, early music department. And they played gamba, and I just loved the instrument. And I, I actually had one for a couple of years, but I couldn't really get away on it. I didn't really, because it's a higher pitched instrument, and I missed the bass. So then when I, after Rembrandt chose for the fourth piano, and I got in contact with the idea of the violone, then suddenly it was like, ah, this is it. So this actually has the, the low uh, sound of the double bass, almost. But it has a much higher register, and it's much more flexible, and, mm. and I can play melodies, I can play chords. Um, and then at the same time, Vincent had to change his modern drum set to what we now call the Whisper Kit, because he has to play really soft. So the, the Whisper Kit is sort of his invention of, of a mixture of instruments, and it's, it's, it changes all the time. You know, we go to a country, and he comes back with <laughs> little toys, and so that's, that's nice. So my violona is, um, uh, so that's one thing about the instrument. The other thing is that there's no bass instrument in Arabic music. There's no bass instrument in Persian music, which is great for me because that means that I can, I have n n nothing to be afraid of. There's no examples, just no like Hussein Alisa days or I don't know, Miles Davis is on, the, on, the, on this instrument. So whatever I do is, is relatively new to, this, to the scene. I mean, in Arabic music, uh, with um, Umm Kulthum, the, the the famous singer from 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 Egypt, she had an orchestra with a bass in it, and it would f just have a certain function. But I I choose to do more solistic function of the double bass and and later the violon. So there was no example. So what I used as an example was first of all the oud um, uh, for a long time and. Um, then later, uh, when playing Persian music, of course, I would listen to to Kayan Kalhor and 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 try to imitate his um, uh, techniques. And actually, I started because, I, well, you don't have the sound, but this is the violona bow, the original. And but I also started playing the the Kamenche ah. bow on the violona. And the Kamenche bow gives me uh, such a different sound. Uh, because the violona bow is really nice and tight, it sounds like, not like a cello, but like almost. It's got strings, but it's. Uh, but it was. They said it was too harsh or too direct, and and you 
in classical music you try to avoid the sound of the hairs on the string you you try to make a really pure sound but in Persian music the the sound of the hairs on the string is really part of the music and it it breathes and it it sighs and it's it suffers and it you know so um that really helped me already so now next time i see kayan color he's, he's going to bring me a, a, a Comanche bow, which is slightly uh, longer than this one, because this is one is built for the small instrument, and with my instrument, I, I need of course three centimeters more. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, that's the way I I, um, uh, I adapt to it, um, and I uh, oh yeah, the oud is probably hanging also in my room. <laughs> uh, I always try to to play, and actually um, the um, the setar is also um, when I was in on tour in. Uh, Iran, so the um, friends of uh, us uh, offered us instruments and they bought a setar for me and I brought it home and I studied it a little bit. I mean, it's not that I can play the setar, you know, but I I use it to understand it and to 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 create something on my own instrument with the same idea. As a tool, yeah. I mean, I just love that, hmm. I love the idea that even though the bass wasn't an instrument that was, that was necessarily in the music you 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 know a lot of musicians would be like never mind but i love how you brought it you completely brought it in and you because it is such a it's like high it's high this hybrid music is that is that a interesting way of putting it mm. yeah, um yeah. and you kind of yeah. and so really it's just this new type of sound and um i do love that and i loved hearing that in the music yeah. it was really beautiful yeah. um yeah yeah it was it, it was really interesting when i uh, because the uh, the, the question is as well: uh, How do people react to it in the Middle East or in the in the in Iran to what we do? You know right. that that for for us is, of course, whenever you play in the Netherlands or in Europe, people hear a certain Oriental sound and they just get into oh, this sounds really Oriental. It's really nice. Yeah, of course. But I mean, this is not why I do it. You know, I I, I so when I'm going to the Middle East and play in front of an audience of three thousand Iranians or 2,000 people in, in, in the Middle East, uh, you know, that's when I get nervous. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> you know, yeah. of course, because that's that's where the real test is, you know, the, the, the proof of the pudding. And, and, and that for me was really interesting. I had one, um, uh, that was early on in my career, more or less, when I was with uh, Rimarché, a singer, and we, had a, we played on a festival as a duo, so just voice and bass. And there was uh, the fe it was in Qatar, I think. Uh, no, it does uh, Bahrain, Bahrain, mm. and um, and we play on a festival with like, like traditional music, and people just looked at me and they actually said, "What what are you doing with this guy playing this strange instrument?" And it's not possible. So I was really nervous for that concert, and um, and they 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 got it in the end, and then they said, "Well, it's it's really interesting. You you don't play." the same as she plays but it still fits <laughs> uh, because if you play in arabic music the oud player plays the melody of the singer and shadows the singer's melody and um, i would play counterpoint to it sometimes shadowing it but often playing counterpoint and that's what my with rima wants she she, she loves the fact that i don't shadow her because it's like somebody trying to follow you all the time it's 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 annoying for her by now so by by playing an independent voice to her voice, uh, it became uh, something else. And um, 
now it becomes more and more fashion in general. But uh, at that time, was <laughs> people were really sort of upset that I was doing that, but they really enjoyed it. And, and after that, we got the recognition for what we did. But uh, And that's the same when you go to Iran. I mean, you know, you go there and people go like, wow, um, thank you for... Um, for bringing our culture uh, and and respecting it so much, you know, and it, and that's basically what you want. Absolutely. That's, that's yeah. was one thing I wanted to add about the conversation a little bit earlier is um, uh, that uh, because there's there's well there's a couple of things we can say about it. The the fact that you play East meets West or West meets East, I'm uh, I'm mostly inspired by the Andalusian time in the uh, in Spain where. Mm. There was a big mixture of cultures, and there was uh, um, architects and, and poets and scientists and musicians that were m- meeting together and creating, whether you know, creating something new, whether or not that's based on war or colonialism or, or what, whatever it was in that time. It was, of course, the the the, 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 the invasion in, in the south of Spain. Um, of course, these things happen, and we, as normal people, don't have a lot to say about that, unfortunately. But the fact that that people, that cultures mixed, that cultures respected each other, and, and made this beautiful new culture out of that, that that for me is an example. So, um, in that way, I'm trying to to do the same. That that in in mutual respect, create something new together, not trying to recreate something that was already there, but just move on to something new and of course it it becomes very uh, very much of this time that that it's um we have we're dealing with uh, uh, the the whole diversity and um, uh, cultural appropriation and and all these things so it, sometimes it feels uh, strange even to play jazz you know is 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 playing jazz cultural appropriation is playing iranian music cultural appropriation um I don't think so, but I mean these questions are raised, and I think much of the, it has to do with the way you do it, and not necessarily what you, you know, the fact that you do it, but the way you do it is important. But for me, this becomes very uh, uh, some a question of of today, you know, how how do I deal with that in a respectful way, uh, without suddenly just playing Dutch music because I'm Dutch, you know, that's 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 not what we want and <laughs> uh, what I think it's not what you look for. Yeah. Sorry. I, I was just, I wanted to just, yeah. I wanted to also say about that. Like, mm. I think that's why we also have that, this, this podcast, like that's a, that's a reason why we started it because we wanted to, mm. we wanted to kind of create a platform that, um, that, allowed for the celebration of these different types of music from all the music from around the world and to have somebody, um, like you who, who has mm. really done, who has really you know taken the music and performed it and um so elegantly and kind of just has made mm-hmm. it part of a bigger narrative i think that's so important so you're doing the good work and um worse and it's it's wonderful and we're really appreciative yeah. that you can share that with us today yeah yeah it was interesting that the, the first co- the first rehearsal and after visiting the middle east the first rehearsal we did with uh, Iraqi musicians was on the 11th of September, uh, whenever, it, uh, when, uh, what was the year? 2001. When, uh, 2001. Wow. So we, we got together in a rehearsal room with three Iraqi musicians and three Dutch musicians. So this was with the Uri Honing Trio. Um, we played 
together, but we couldn't really understand each other because one, th they were talking Arabic. One was uh, talking Dutch as well. One was the other one was talking German. The other one's talking English, I think. Uh, and we were all talking Dutch and German and and English, but we were not speaking. So there was no common language at that time. So and then we, but we had a lot of fun. Uh, and we played, and we left uh, the, the 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 rehearsal place, and then the news came from the 11th of September, and then it sort of hit us like, can we continue? What does this mean? Uh, what are the implications? Uh, it was pretty intense uh, at that time, uh, but also really uh, good to be with these guys and to talk about it, and uh, you know. That's just a, yeah. Well, that's just a testimony to why this is important, I think. And yeah, because yeah, it's, yeah. you know, and, why, and how music and art really does is the universal language in a way and mm. how it can how it makes how it builds bridges and how it um, yeah. how it speaks louder <clears throat> than just, you know, the actions of others and the media and um, why it's so important today. And so yeah. we're, that's, that's an incredible story though. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's, it's, <laughs> it's so important because we, what we noticed when, when I started playing with Rima in, in the Middle East is that, that uh, on, from both sides, there are so many pre uh, conceptions, no pre, pre ideas, mm -hmm. uh, pre justice about each other that, that, so if I'm, if I'm telling people, well, I'm going to Syria on tour. I mean, this was before the war, right. but still, the people would say, "Oh man, that's dangerous!" and bring your helmet, and you know, it's uh, you know, they're they're all crazy there. And um, so they're they're looking at the, at the Middle East as one big group of 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 uh, of, uh, of uh, angry Muslims uh, that uh, that were like you know, and but when I would be in Egypt uh, with Rima. Uh, people would shout at us, you know, that Egyptians would shout that we that she was a whore, that she was with us, and uh, and that we were dirty Americans, and, and you know, being Dutch, but it, it didn't matter. But it, it <laughs> you felt that and on both sides we have a stereotypical view on each other. And for me, the most important thing was to show the diversity of each culture to each other's culture. Mm -hmm. uh, if I'm in Lebanon, there is. Um, 10 different religions sitting on the same table uh, having dinner together mm -hmm. uh, literally uh, you know from from Muslims uh, uh, Maronite uh, Christian uh, you name it um, and and the same if you go to uh, Iran for example in Iran I was even I was surprised in a way I mean Iran is like so well known to be anti-Israel uh, um, but then I was walking around uh, Tehran, and there was this store with uh, with Hebrew signs on it, and it was a Hebrew store selling paintings and Hebrew, uh, you know, uh, Jewish uh, uh, artifacts. Mm -hmm. I was like, "How can this be?" And they said, "No, it's a Jewish store." And I said, "Well, but isn't that Israel?" No, it's not Israel. It's Jewish, you know. But Jewish is fine. We have Jewish people living here for a long time, and we have a synagogue, and it's next to the mosque, and next to there's a church. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's like. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and we all have this one view of this, and and it's the same, the reverse. So uh, you know, we shouldn't feel bad about it. But I think that's that's one one of the big reasons for me to do it is to show people no, it's not the way you think it is. It's so much more complex, but also so much more uh, 
interesting and diverse. Yeah. I think that in that case specifically, the fact that it's more complex, it's actually a big relief because the mm. simplified vision of it, it's actually terrible. It's we're good or exactly. bad on both ways. Yeah. And it means shutting down. Yeah. While the complexity actually reveals that there's more in common than we think. And, mm. uh, and this is wonderful because it enables conversations and creating bridges, yeah. uh, again, to go back to that yeah. word. Uh, well, Tony, thank you. This was, these were all very precious insights. And it's good to see that uh, us, as uh, creators of this podcast, have so much to share uh, <laughs> yes. uh, with you, at least in our mission and intentions. And uh, thank yeah. you again for all of your perspectives and histories on the music. Um, I was wondering if maybe we could have a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a, of a musical uh, sample of uh, mm -hmm. of what we've talked about, if maybe there's something specific. So, um, yeah. So this instrument uh, usually is, um, is I mean, you can. Um, it's often both played with the bow. Let me just quickly show a little bit. Uh, that sounds with the um, original position here. So that's <laughs> it's yeah, it takes a while to warm up on this thing, but it's it's gut strings, which makes it very, very vulnerable to play on. And then changing to the string, the, the bow of uh, the convention, that's this sound. <coughs> actually play really soft airy kind of sounds or and then the other thing on this is that of course I have the, the frets on it uh, more or less like a guitar so I can play chords, but um, so in order to be able to play microtonal music, I added extra frets between the, the other frets, and that way I can, uh, like, so for example, that would be normal D minor, and this is this is with a quarter tone. Um, actually, I want to call it microtone of uh, E half flat. And I can move that around because the, the on the violone the frets are like on the on the viola gamba they're like little guts gut frets and they're just wrapped around it and you can shift them. So also in in in, in early music they change the tuning sometimes to different systems. So. So in that way I can more or less play. Uh, 
all the quarter tones with adding two extra frets i can play all the chords. Uh, my 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 middle finger is going up and down the string which is also something that you don't do on a bass normally you play with two fingers uh, but here things that I really like about um, the, the, the and I wish I could be that fast but when the good Seta player they're so incredibly fast with their fingers like it's like tring, tring, and and they used to do it by going up and down with their fingers uh, so with on the this instrument I try to imitate that by using the three fingers techniques that, that, that work like that. And that's kind of things that I use also with uh, Kayan. To, to, to all that kind of thing. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your story. Yeah. Uh, everything was, was, was great. I've got nothing to add as a bass player and a researcher particularly involved in Iranian music which is gold <laughs> for me uh, yeah uh, but uh, as a matter of fact I've, I, I might actually conclude on an anecdote I'll, I'll, I'll steal the flame and uh, actually when I came to see you with Kehan uh, it was I, I, I experienced one of the most beautiful moments I ever experienced in my life at a music concert uh, you guys ended mm. on a, a Kurdish lullaby um, because the concert yeah. happened right after, um, I believe, Trump uh, decided to um, to recall all of the troops from Syria and mm. Turkey, therefore, uh, was planning on uh, yeah. attacking uh, the Kurdish militia that uh, fought ISIS there. Yeah. And Kehan, of course, being Kurdish, uh, naturally mm. uh, felt that moment quite a lot and uh, dedicated this lullaby to Syrian children. And uh, yep. I believe that uh, the three men sitting next to me were also Kurdish because as mm. you guys started playing the melody, they stood up with a hand on their heart and just cried for the whole time. Yeah. And even recalling it, I guess I get tears in my eyes. I think that was one of the yeah, most I beautiful moments I've ever experienced. Yeah. Thank you so, so much. Really. It was uh, so inspiring, actually. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been such a lovely conversation. Thank you for listening to this episode of Roots, a music podcast. We release new exciting episodes fortnightly. So make sure you follow us on your favorite streaming platform and at Roots Music Pod on social media. Remember to check out www.rootsmusicpod.com where you will find resources and recommendations to discover more about the music we've explored together for the past hour or so and more music from the fantastic musicians that have guided us through this journey. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. <laughs>